The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So I, I can't believe that Lifehouse would do this to me. I, I actually was watching, so we put a little poll up on Facebook if you didn't know. Um, in order to find out which ugly sweater you all wanted me to wear. And uh, I really think that either the Russians or the Ukrainians hacked Facebook. (laughs) And that's how I ended up wearing this horrible cat sweater. I can't believe it. And you can't believe it. You're sitting there right now going, what is wrong with our pastor? What's wrong with this church? I mean, I can't believe this. There's some things that you just hard to believe, right? Hard to believe. And uh, so <laughs> with, with that in mind, I know it's going to be hard to take me seriously for this message, but uh, I do want to talk a little bit about believe. And sometimes it's hard to believe. Sometimes it's hard to believe, you know, maybe that maybe you're single and you're wanting to get married and it's hard to believe that maybe you're going to meet the right person. Or maybe you've been in and out of work or trying to get a better job, and it's hard to believe that you're going to get that better job. But, um, you know, when it comes to the idea of God and the idea that we would have to believe in God, it does make you wonder, why do we have to believe in him by faith? Follow me here. Um, I, I don't believe whether or not I have a car. I either have a car or I don't have a car. You with me so far? Chambers, you guys are with me. They're, they're not following me. You guys, you guys, cinemas, you're with me. All right. So, you know, I, I don't have to wonder. I don't believe whether or not I'm married. Either I have a ring on my finger or I don't. Now, some of you, you have, you're believing that you're going to get married or you're believing, I'll be serious for a moment, that your marriage is going to make it. But you're not believing whether or not you are married. And, you know, if you're a parent, you're not believing whether or not you have kids. If you've paid attention on Facebook, I'm acutely aware with the crashing of all of our Christmas ornaments that I have kids. They remind us regularly by smashing our favorite ornaments. And so, you know, like, why is it then that God, who would be so incredibly important in our life and eternally significant that it would come down to whether or not we believe in God or not. I mean, why not make it really obvious? Now, some of you, hopefully, you're agreeing with me. Like, yeah, I'm with Patrick. I I think it should be really obvious. Like, if, if if my eternity hangs in the balance of whether or not God exists and whether I believe God exists, then wouldn't it be good that he made it really obvious to me that he exists so that I don't end up in the wrong place? And interestingly, if you jump into the story of God, we would refer to that as the Bible. The, the sacred story of God is recorded by man, 40 different authors over a span of about 1,500 years. It's called the Bible. And it starts this way. Simply, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, you guys can go ahead and put it up. I believe it's going to come up here. In the beginning, God. That's it. 
Like literally the story of God begins with in the beginning, before there was anything, before we existed, in the beginning, God. And if you jump ahead thousands of years in the Bible, so you fast forward the story, you get the Bible uh, is uh, broken into two parts. And so you get thousands of years later, you get to the New Testament of the Bible and it opens with uh, a simple statement of, this John, the author John is writing in John chapter one. And he, and he basically writes this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and the way he's writing it, he's being kind of creative in the way he's writing it. And, and the, uh, the word that he uses in the original language, the Greek language to describe God, he goes, in the beginning was the word. It, it goes something like this. Here's in essence what he's saying. He goes, in the beginning, before there was anything else, there was God, and God already had embodied himself into a way to describe himself to those that he was going to create. And, and so John captures that idea in simply saying the word. So in the beginning was the word, this perfect embodiment or description of who God is, the way, the best possible way for us to understand God. And so he goes, in the beginning was the essence of God, this perfect capture or description of God. And he was with God and he was God. God existed. And the, and the perfect description of him, the best way for us to understand God existed before we existed meaning God wanted to reveal himself to people that he hadn't even created yet. And so the way the Bible opens, in the beginning, God, and then the way we read about it in the New Testament, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It doesn't leave a lot of room for argument and discussion about whether or not there is a God. And, and so, you know, there's some people, maybe you're, as you're with us this weekend, you're, you're struggling. You're like, I'm having a hard time believing in God. Maybe you're having a harder time believing in God than I am that you, that the Russians hacked Facebook and forced me to wear this horrible cat sweater. But you're having a hard time. You're, you're struggling with uh, this idea of, is there a God? Some of you have just outright rejected the idea of God. And so let's talk about those of you that maybe you've rejected the idea of God or you know people that have rejected the idea of God or you're just struggling with whether there really is a God. And so there's a couple of different reasons why people would reject God. Let's start with those of you that maybe you had an experience. Maybe you heard something about God from someone who said they believed in God and then they did something terrible to you. Or you were in a church, obviously they believe in God, and bad things happened to you in the church, or the people treated you badly, and so you rejected God because you rejected people that believed in God. And I might just throw out the idea there that um, if an atheist or atheists act badly, do I get to reject atheism? In fact, do I get to reject any philosophy simply because I don't like the people that believe in it? Uh, does, does God not exist because people that believe in God are mean people? All right, so let, let's just kind of, maybe that's a, a, a thought that you can process. But then there, uh, maybe not only did you have a negative experience of God, maybe you've rejected God because of what people told you about God. So all of us have heard things about God, like Maybe as we look at the Christmas season, you, you believe that God was like a Santa Claus. And, and every time you pray, God should give you what you want. And then 
like Santa Claus, one year you didn't get what you wanted. I should be careful. We got kids here. All right. So we're talking about God. And so you prayed and you didn't get what you wanted when you prayed. And so therefore prayer doesn't work. Therefore there is no God because someone told you that God answers prayer. Or, or maybe they told you that God is good, therefore bad things should not happen, and then bad things happen, therefore there is no God. Or, or maybe uh, in your experience, or maybe what you were told was that God is, uh, he has all these rules, and if you don't follow the rules, God will crush you, and, and, and you're, you're understanding that God is mean, or God uses fear or guilt to motivate people, and you're like, I I don't even want to believe in a God like that. And so you've rejected God for those reasons. And I'm just going to join you and say, yeah, me too. I don't believe in that God because I don't believe that's who God is. I don't, you didn't reject the Christian God. You rejected a manufactured or a fake or a, a fabricated God. In fact, what I've learned is that most people who reject God, they, re, they don't reject God. They reject a fabricated version of God. They reject a version of God that someone else told them. Then there are a group of people that just, they reject God because the idea of believing seems absurd to them. So they I believe in science. I believe in logic. And the problem with just outright rejecting God is that or the challenge is that anytime you move away from one thing, you have to move towards something else, whether you, whether you acknowledge that or not. Meaning you can just outright ignore the existence of God or say, I'm not even gonna think about it, but no matter what, you're headed towards something. So if you move away from belief in God, you're moving toward a belief in something else. In fact, that's kind of the point, is all of us believe in certain unknowable assumptions. Hold up. I know that was a mouthful. Let me say it again. We all believe in something that we can't prove. Everybody. So what is the alternative to believing in God? Well, the alternative is that you believe that there is no God. And if there is no God, then you have to believe that everything that exists came from nothing. So you, in essence, you, you have to believe in nothing. And you believe that nothing made everything, and that life came from non-life, and therefore, this whole thing is basically a cosmic accident because it all started with nothing. And since nothing is the driving force behind everything, then we're forced to accept the fact that our life has no value. Life has no meaning, no significance. There's no purpose behind life. Look, if, if there's nothing behind this, and this whole thing is a cosmic accident. It just happened. Then everything is happenstance. There's no reason behind pain. There's no reason behind your life or my life or anything. And as a result, everything in our life is valueless and meaningless. Okay, you want me to stop? Because you're already like, this is like, this got serious quick. Okay. So let's start with a baseline that no matter what, you're going to believe in something. That something could be that you believe in God or you believe the something, which is that you believe there is nothing. But you have to believe that. In fact, I would go so far as to say that non-believers have more faith than I do, than most of us do. Um, I referenced the Gospel of John 
This guy, John, he was a friend and follower of Jesus. And around, uh, somewhere around 95 to 100 AD, he wrote a book, an account of the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And he did it for this purpose. Um, let me explain to you. So we're talking about 95 to 100 AD. So most of the people that were gathering in the church were like second and third generation Christians. They, did, they, did, they never met Jesus They didn't even meet people. They didn't know people who met Jesus. So it was like passed down to them. And so as a result, a lot of the people that were gathering as a church, they they were believing in God, but they didn't live like they believed in God because it started to sound like folklore. It sounded like stories. And so the apostle John, who knew Jesus, lived with Jesus, was an eyewitness to Jesus, This old guy writes an account of the book, the Gospel of John, to give all of these people that are struggling to believe a new reason to understand what they believe and why. And so he was writing to encourage these second and third generation churches and Christians on why they should believe. In fact, as he gets close to ending his book, he explains why he wrote it. So I'm going to jump in and We'll read this to you, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Uh, he, He writes this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Meaning Jesus did a ton of stuff that I couldn't write down. And he said a lot of things that I couldn't record because it would just, in fact, he goes on. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. He said, look, the the reason I'm writing this account is because some of you are struggling. Some some of you are wrestling with whether or not you can believe or should believe. He goes, so I'm writing this account from my eyewitness experience so that in reading, you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. And and that that one passage jumps 2,000 years into our world and into our time, because frankly, we're a lot like that, the, that church around 95 to 100 AD, where a lot of us, you know, we didn't meet anybody that knew Jesus personally, meaning they didn't walk with Jesus and see him do miracles. You haven't met anybody who actually wrote the gospels. And so we kind of have to trust by faith. So John is writing to people just like us. And the whole point is this, what, what's the principle that jumps off the pages? So that when you're struggling with whether or not the Bible and the story of God, story of Jesus are just folklore, fiction, or something more, John's challenge to us is this, that we should and can live by faith in God. That, that, in fact, that's what I want you to take away from this message today. My challenge to you be to live by faith in God. Now, some of you, you say, well, I, I believe in God, so I can check out right now. Hold up, just, just a minute. I want to I talk to those of you that uh, you're, you're not an atheist, but you live like an atheist. In fact, I would call you a Christian atheist. All, right. All of us have faith. Here, here's what I've discovered, that there are a lot of atheists who live like believers because they believe that life has meaning and value and significance and purpose, and they believe that death is wrong. If you're an atheist, you shouldn't believe that anything's wrong with death. Death is an obvious thing. It's part of of this nothingness. And then there are a lot of Christians who believe in God, but they live like they don't. They live like life has no meaning and life has no significance. 
and that there isn't really an eternity. And so to both, of, to both groups, let me just throw this out there. So why do we struggle? Because life is not as it should be. In fact, it's not as it should be because life was broken. The reason why we struggle with believing is because something deep inside of us pushes away from God. In fact, you and I were born with an instinct to push, move away from God towards something else. So what pushes us away from God is an, a spiritual instinct called sin. It's a self-sabotaging force that drives us away from God and doing what God wants and even knowing God toward believing that we are God, our desires are God, and so we listen to what we want and we obey our instincts and we live our life believing not that there is no God, but really that we're God and we can do what we want. And so the end result of sin is that it wrecks our lives. It separates us from God. It separates us from even knowing God and even believing that God exists. It creates a chasm, excuse me, creates a chasm between us and God. And so we go through life either not believing in God at all or living like he doesn't matter. And the end result of sin is not just that it causes havoc in our lives and wrecks our lives and leaves our lives with meaninglessness and as if it has no value or purpose, but it leads toward an eternal ruin, eternal judgment. That's the consequence of sin. But God loved us so much that he was unwilling to leave us that way. So before he even created us, before God even made the world, he already designed a way to introduce himself to us. That's how much God loves you and loves me. And so God intervened in our story. And John writes about it this way, right? So let's jump back in this passage. He goes, yes, the reason I'm writing this is these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. His goal was to provide a foundation for us to simply believe in God. And that by believing in God, it would change our life. Um, around that same time, about 100 AD, churches were trying to figure out ways to teach people how to remember the truths of God. And so they wrote out what became later known as the Apostles' Creed. Maybe some of you grew up in a tradition where you quoted the Apostles' Creed, but it simply starts with, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And, it, and basically the opening line is very much like the opening of the Bible. In the beginning, God, I believe in God the Father Almighty. In fact, if I could have you do this with me at all of our campuses, if you believe in God, can I encourage you just to maybe say this with me? Say, I believe... In God the Father Almighty. Awesome. For those of you that are struggling, it's okay. I totally get it. We don't, we don't want to embarrass you. We're not trying to call you out. I just want you to hear like that was what they wanted to, they wanted people to confess as they gathered as the church. The takeaway from this passage is this. Faith in one true living God means that we are not alone. Check this out. Faith is an acknowledgement that I am not alone. That I didn't start this thing. I was going to say I didn't start the fire, but I don't know. I don't know why that just popped in my head. But faith is an acknowledgement. It's a belief that we are not alone. That we didn't start it. That we're not the ones keeping it going. That 
When we believe by God in faith, it's, it's this beautiful picture that I look up at the stars and I realize no matter how insignificant I feel, no matter how small I feel, I believe that there is a God that knows me. Suddenly changes everything about the way I live. But so let's talk about this idea of faith a little bit. We don't have faith in faith. Let me say it again. It's not just some generic, just kind of like, I have faith. Nor is it a faith in religion. You don't have faith in the church. You're not putting your faith in a pastor or a priest or a teacher. You're not putting your faith in your ability to understand Christianity or religion. You're not even putting your faith in your ability to uh, fully understand God. Our faith is in God who is bigger and greater and more eternal than we'll ever be or ever understand. That's the beauty, which means this. My faith is not in something, but in someone. Faith doesn't create God. Faith helps me understand the God who created me. And through faith, I begin to know God. I discover that God is self-existent, that God is the creator. God is all-wise, all-knowing, all-loving, always good. When I believe that by faith, it begins to change me. In fact, the author of the letter to the Hebrew church wrote it this way in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. He said, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Meaning you're not gonna worship God if you don't believe in God. Okay, makes sense, right? You can kind of all smile and smirk at that like at this cat. Okay, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hey, I, and he, I used to read this verse, and I always feel bad. I don't know if maybe as I'm reading this, you feel bad. Like, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Oh, sometimes I don't have very much faith. And maybe I'm not pleasing God, and I feel bad. No, no, no. Listen to what, it, what, listen to what he's saying. The verse before this, he, he was talking about a hero of our faith, and he said, he pleased God because of his faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, which means with faith, it's possible to please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him believes that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith compels us to run after God, meaning... I said this, right? The challenge is that when we reject something, we're moving, you don't just reject something, you move from one thing to another. If I turn my life by faith toward God, then what I'm doing is I am seeking God. And when I seek God, I can please God because of the faith in my life. I put my faith in God through Jesus Christ. Why? Because God did not abandon us. God did not reject us. God loved us and he became one of us. That's right. From the beginning of time, God's mission was to enter the world to know people who would reject him. And so he comes to us. He put on skin. The perfect embodiment of God enters into our world loves us, picks up our eternal judgment, the shame and the guilt that all of us carry. When we moved away from God toward doing what we wanted and all the junk that we put in our lives because of that, God picked all of that up and he put it on his shoulders. 
So that when he died on a cross, he was dying for us. He was dying in our place, bearing our shame, bearing our guilt, bearing our eternal judgment. So that when he died, he died once for all. But Jesus didn't just die, he rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he conquered sin. He freed us from the fear of death because now we know that life doesn't end in death, but death ends in life, eternal life. So he gave us a victory over eternal judgment. Through faith, we receive eternal life. Check this out. Here's how I want to read this passage just one more time because there's another thought I want to make sure you don't miss. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I hope you didn't miss that last line. That when you believe, you experience life. Something supernatural begins to happen inside of you. That's right. Faith in the one true living God means we can truly live. Why don't you guys go ahead and throw that up on the screen here real quick. Man, we got an amazing tech team. These guys work so hard. By the way, look around. Would you give our teams a huge round of applause? Man, got amazing, amazing stage designs. Got an amazing tech team. I mean, look at this. They figured out how to turn the TV sideways, put it in a gift box. I mean, if I tried to do that, the whole thing would be smashed because I'm like my boys. I break everything. Let me read this again. Faith in the one true living God means we can truly live. Okay, the flip is this. When I do not have faith in the one true living God, I live with nothing at the center of my life. My life is headed toward nothingness. My life has no value or meaning or significance. The people around me have no value or significance. I could treat them however I want because they're no different than an ant or a squirrel or a bug. I guess an ant is a bug. But when I believe in God by faith, my life becomes truly alive because God's spirit enters into my spirit and now I discovered my why, that I was put here on earth, that my life has meaning and significance and purpose and that my life doesn't end in death like all the other creatures on earth. My life goes into eternity, but not to eternal destruction, but to eternal life. So now when I believe in God by faith, I become truly alive. My life isn't aimed toward nothingness. It's not aimed toward just constantly grasping and searching and aiming toward anything and everything, trying to make a God out of my career or make a God out of my marriage or make a God out of possessions or belongings or a new house or a new car. No, I know that there is one true living, loving God. He's not generic. He's not nameless. He's not unknowable. He loved me and he knew me before he even created me and he pursued me by becoming one of us. He died to rescue me. He rose from the dead to give me victory and to give me life. So when I believe in him by faith, I become truly alive. And when you become truly alive, you live like it. So I'm gonna challenge you. What would it look like for you to live like there really is a God? I know, some of you, you believed in God since you were a little child. But you haven't lived like it. You're living like a Christian atheist. You believe, but your belief has no significance in your everyday living. 
When I believe in God, it means that my life, I am seeking him earnestly. My whole life is aimed toward God. That means every decision, every desire is aimed toward God at the center of my life and my existence. It means that I put my full faith and trust in God. God, I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my kids. I, I trust you with my career. I trust you with my, the decisions about who I, you know, who, maybe you're searching and you want to get married, who I'm going to marry or where I'm going to go to college or what I'm going to do with my life, right? I put my trust in God, but don't stop at trust because the word believe means to trust and obey. It means that I start to live it out every day. So in what way do you need to begin to live like you actually believe in God? And so can I encourage you? You've been so gracious. Each of our campuses, you, you've listened. You've allowed me to speak into your life, even wearing this hideous sweater. Hope it hasn't been overly distracting. But now I want you to open your heart to one true living God who's revealed himself to you through the person of Jesus Christ. Would you take a moment and just close your eyes? Maybe for the first time, you're willing to consider God. You've been going in the opposite direction, but now you're willing to turn toward him. Maybe you're willing to put your faith in God by believing in Jesus Christ as your savior, your rescuer, your Messiah. If that's you today, can I encourage you? Again, at each of our campuses, you're here and you're ready to say yes to faith in Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand high and say, yeah, Patrick, that's me. Yes, you at each of our campuses, those of you right now, would you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus. I'm tired of putting my faith in other things. I'm, trying to, I'm tired of putting my faith in nothing. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Okay, one more time, just, if that's you, would you just raise your hand high and say, yeah, that's where I'm at today. For those of you that are raising your hand, I want to take a moment. I want to pray with you. Jesus, thank you that you did not abandon us, even though we turned away from you, that you pursued us and you chased after us. Thank you that you love us and you gave your life to rescue us. And then you came back to life to give us new life. We put our faith in you. Now, God, would your spirit come into our spirit so that we can live like it? We want to, we want to live believing in God by faith. We want to live for you. We want to live with our focus on you. We want to trust you with every aspect of our life. And we want to obey you as you guide us in the way you invite us to live. We say yes to you by faith, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.